Welcome back to AQ's Blog and Grill, where we dish up fast food for thought on branding and entrepreneurship. Before we get started, don't forget to subscribe wherever you're listening. And after the show, leave us a comment with your thoughts on today's episode. Now here's your host, Alan Corey. Hey, everybody, and welcome to AQ's Blog and Grill. Today, we're uh, pleased and excited to have uh, Mr. Jay Bear with us. Uh, Jay is the president of Convince Convert, which is an online uh, customer service and digital marketing consultancy and media company. He's the author now of six books. His latest one is uh, Talk Triggers and uh, came out just last year. Um, I think that Jay – I used to say this about Gary Vaynerchuk, uh, and then I, then I kind of – I kind of jazzed it up for, uh, what's his name, Brian, uh, you know, he's always talking about stuff. What's Fanzo, Brian Fanzo. You know, I used to say to Brian, Brian, you're the second hardest working man in uh, in social media. But you know what, Jay? You know what, Jay Bear? You are the hardest working man oh, thank you. in social media. Because uh, you're really doing great stuff. and uh, Thank you. It is 100% not true, but I appreciate that. I will say I have the... <laughs> I have the hardest working team in social media. That is for sure. We have an unbelievable crew uh, who, who really, truly do all the hard work. I, I just take all the credit. <laughs> well, and you just got some more. So pass it on to them if you like. Thank it's really you. I sure will. <laughs> now, the other thing that's uh, famous about uh, young Jay here is um, he he's the subject of a conspiracy theory. Um, it's about the plaid lobby. Um, you know, they're very, they're very big in Washington, DC now they're, uh, and they've kind of chosen Jay to be their, their spokesperson. Uh, he's out there, he's wearing the plaid, he's extolling the virtue of plaid. It's being his favorite color. Um, you can go on his website and you can book Jay as a keynote speaker. And he is very, very busy, uh, at that. Um, and you can pick his suit. Uh, based right from the website, uh, which color plaid would you like Jay to wear? If you choose not to to have him wear plaid, he will not come to your event. Uh, <laughs> that's almost that's, literally true. I have not, I have not not worn plaid on stage. It's been at least four or five years. I was um, thinking five. So. So it's been a long time, uh, and I love it. I, and uh, and and I actually, it's to the point, I don't really have any any sport coats or suits that aren't plaid. So it makes it, it makes it an easy choice wow. for me. But it's funny you say that when people get to pick the suit. I was just at an event yesterday, and and they they picked out a, a dark blue and red plaid, which was nice, and that's one of my favorites actually. But sometimes they they pick. Uh, a plaid color that matches their, you know, logo for the event or what have you. Sure. Uh, and then, and then sometimes that all goes terribly awry. Uh, two <laughs> weeks, two two weeks ago, I was at an event in uh, in Mexico, and they picked uh, a brown and blue plaid suit that I have. Uh-huh. Uh, turns out uh, the stage was in front of some very large, like double doors uh, wooden doors and which were the exact same color brown as the suit so it was just like a a, a floating head uh doing doing a keynote i was i was uh fully camouflaged and i thought well this has gone uh, off the rails very well but you know what i believe in jay and i believe that you carried it off anyway 
it was it was definitely uh, new material for the opening. That's for sure. <laughs> well, in uh, in tribute to Jay, I, I am wearing my plaid jacket. It's I see that, that, and that is like a smoking jacket. That's like yes. unbelievable. Yes, I wow. love the lapels. Very nice. Wow. Thank you. I uh, I have a part time gig at a parking lot, and uh, I'm a valet. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the tips are great. It's just up here yeah. in Canada. It gets a little chilly out there. Yeah. Uh, but, I'm really good in the spring it's, and summer. It's spectacular. I love it. <laughs> so in doing my research for today, I thought, well, okay, you know, this conspiracy theory about the deep plaid state uh, and whatever <laughs> is, it has been circulating. And I think mostly it's coming from Anne Hanley. I'm not sure. But yes. uh, you know what she's like. Yeah, she she leads the floral state. Um, you know, she, she's, she's a different warring big, faction. Yeah, the big patterned uh, yes, yes, jumpsuit. Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah, big big flower is uh, something to, to watch for. That says something completely different about <laughs> yes. the social media. Um, but in during my research, I found out that that um, no less a luminary than Albert Einstein mm. had an opinion on Platt, and I want to share that with you. Albert said, once you can accept the universe as matter expanding into nothing, that is something, wearing stripes with plaid comes easy. Wow, I did not know that, but I love it. I feel like that should yeah. be uh, in, in my bio now. Thank you. <laughs> I will I'm send gonna, that to you because... Uh, that's very kind of you, yeah. Yeah, the, yeah. the, the whole imagery behind the new J. If it's, good, uh, if it's yeah. good enough for, for, for Albert, it's good enough for me. I know, I know. He was a trendsetter in many ways. I understand he was also a scientist of some sort. Who knows? Secondarily. Okay. Secondarily. So in your bio, by the way, mm. it says that you're a seventh generation entrepreneur. Yes. Yeah. Can you unpack that for us? How the heck are you a sure. seventh generation? When, when my family uh, on my dad's side showed up on these uh, North American shores uh -huh. uh, in the very early 1800s, uh -huh. uh, they began a um, a business, a manufacturing business. They created caskets. They're in the casket making business. Wow. Which is recession proof. Um, uh, <laughs> 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 yes. Uh, and, and so they began a casket making business and that got passed down for a couple of generations and that sort of faded away. Then they opened a, um, uh, a furniture manufacturing business and sure. a furniture yeah. retail business. And then my uh -huh. uh, grandfather had a whole series of, uh, of entrepreneurial ventures. And my father, uh, started five or six companies, uh, in, in a variety of different, uh, categories. Uh -huh. and, and so when I was, uh, when I was a young man, um, it, I don't remember literally ever having a conversation about entrepreneurship with right. my father or grandfather. Huh. It was just always in the air. It was just sort right. of assumed, right? It was like, well, yeah, of yep. course, eventually you, eventually you go do your own thing. It was never like, okay, let me sit down and tell you how we do things here in the bear household. <laughs> there was, there, there was never that talk, right? Um, uh -huh. uh, it, it just, that just kind of how you thought about the world. And my son actually yeah. Uh, started his own uh, fashion label when he was still in high school. Uh, wow. So he is now officially uh, an eighth generation uh, entrepreneur. Isn't that something? And your daughter's now in Paris. So who knows what's happening across the pond there? She uh, has decided that she wants to She wants to go to law school, she says. so. Oh, that's uh, a shame. We'll I'm see. sorry. It, I know. But interesting, <laughs> She uh, what she wants to do, I think you'll find this interesting, Alan. She... Uh -huh. um, 
is a is an advertising major with an emphasis in social media. Which oh boy. Is probably, yeah. probably doesn't come as a huge surprise. Mm-hmm. Uh, and has done a lot of great work for us and, and a number of other brands already at, at her tender age. Mm-hmm. But she wants to go to law school and become an influencer marketing attorney and, and oh really help figure out the legality, both on the brand side and the influencer side of all that, because as you well know, it's very messy uh, mm-hmm. at present and, and lots of, um, well, let's just kind of make this up until someone catches us. Uh, and mm-hmm. so there definitely will be a place in the world for an influencer marketing attorney sure. uh, very quickly. And so she figures that might as well be me. Yeah, very good. Well, it's a wild, wild West show out there right now, isn't no, it? No, it's crazy. It is yeah. absolutely crazy. Okay. And, and it's real money, right? It, it, this oh. isn't, it isn't just, uh, you know, well, here's some experimental dollars. I mean, there's a lot of brands, especially mm-hmm. on the D, certainly on the DTC side, but, but even on the uh, retail and, and e-commerce side, especially on the mm-hmm. fashion, uh, in the fashion category, sure. yep. um, you look at brands like Revlon, L'Oreal, et cetera, Clinique, large, large, you know, multinational billion dollar companies mm-hmm. who, who are spending not just a little bit of money on influencer marketing, but a preponderance of their total marketing budget. Yeah. Uh, you're talking about spending tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars on marketing promotions on something that is theoretically regulated, uh, at mm. least here in the States, but but mm-hmm. as a practical matter, not so much. So it right. is, uh, it, it's fascinating. Yeah. So this kind of goes into the into the thesis of um, talk triggers, I think, yeah. in terms yeah. of uh, word of mouth marketing, or in this case, word of modem, um, yeah. <laughs> in terms of uh, uh, word yeah, of you're, mouth. You're going to have to define that for some, uh, for, for some people tuning in, like, yes. go, to the, go to the glossary. Like, oh, no. <laughs> It's okay. Let's say word of mouse then. Let's, yeah, let's there you go. go. There you, nice, nice. There you go. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm in the business. Word, um, word, of, word of trackpad. Yeah. <laughs> so the, 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 the predominance now of uh, almost a fad to go into mm-hmm. connecting to influencers, how is this mm-hmm. then connected to uh, talk triggers? Well, as you say, it's it's very neatly aligned in, in this respect, Alan. Mm-hmm. The the best way to grow any business, any business, any business is, is for your customers, for your customers to do it for you. Yeah. One uh, one of my favorite quotes in business is not from Albert Einstein, and I apologize for that. It, it's it's from Robert Stevens, who is the founder of Geek Squad, which is the ah. Uh, yes. services arm of, of Best Buy. Yeah. And Robert once said that advertising is a tax paid yeah. by the unremarkable. <laughs> and, and there is a time and a place for advertising. Mm-hmm. But he is correct in that many of the most successful brands in the world advertise the least because their customers do that job for them. Right. And, and influencer marketing, I think, is sort of a half step beyond that, right? It is not uh, it, it is not purely volunteer marketing uh, uh-huh. because obviously there's a, there's a transfer of, of uh, goods or payments. But the idea that real people will listen to real people uh-huh. and make buying decisions accordingly – uh, is manifestly true and has been proven over and over and over and over. In fact, the research that we did for the book talk triggers indicates that some 50% of all purchases are influenced by word of mouth mm. and more than 90% of B2B purchases are yes. influenced by word of mouth. Right. And the younger you are, the more word of mouth impacts your purchases mm-hmm. and the larger the purchase, the more you listen to word of mouth 
before making that purchase. And so when I talk to business people, and I do that all the time, of course, about this topic, uh, they, they, they always agree and concur that word of mouth is important to their own business. I, I have been doing this for a while now, and, and nobody's ever said, nah, Jay, we, we don't really care about word of mouth. It's not part of our success for me. Like nobody ever says that. Like we all know that it's important, but we don't know just how important it is because one of the, one of the most frustrating things that, that I can fathom, and, and frankly, the reason why we wrote this book, Alex, mm. is that despite how important word of mouth is, fewer than 1% of companies have an actual word of mouth strategy. Mm. We, we just take it for granted. We just assume that if we run a decent business, customers will notice it and talk about it. But that's mm -hmm. not actually the way human beings behave, right? right? I, I, I don't know everybody uh, tuning in, but I, I know some of you, I'm certain. But I know this for sure. Nobody has ever said, Alan, let me tell you about this experience I had. It was perfectly adequate. <laughs> right? Nobody ever says that because that's a terrible story to tell and a terrible story to listen to, right? There's not a story. Nobody ever says, hey, uh, so I went in the corner, right? And uh, I, flicked, I, I flicked that switch and uh, the lights came on, right? That's Woo! not a story. Like you don't get right. conversational credit for doing exactly what people paid you to do. Uh -huh. And that's the big mistake that businesses have been making now for for centuries, perhaps, which yeah. is this this mistaken belief that competency creates conversation. Yeah. And it doesn't. So so the whole idea of a talk trigger is it is an operational choice that you make in your business that uh -huh. is designed to create conversations. And awesome. as you as you mentioned in the introduction, for me, on the speaking side of our business, when you hire me to give a keynote, you get to pick out what suit I wear. That creates tremendous amounts of conversations sure. uh, amongst amongst meeting planners and audiences and, and kind of takes on a life of its own. That's wow. not an accident, right? I didn't spin the wheel of promotions. That That is a very intentional, operational, customer experience choice that I have made. Uh -huh. And it is only designed to create conversations. And every business can and I submit to you, should have a talk trigger of their own. Right. So one of the talk triggers you talk about in the book, of course, is the chocolate chip cookies at yeah, Double Tree. Double Tree. Mm -hmm. so explain a little bit to us why that plate of cookies is so important. Yeah. Well, number one, it's not a plate of cookies, which is why it works so well. Ah. Um, so so Double Tree Hotels by Hilton, it's, it's one of their um, kind of upper middle level brands. There's, mm -hmm. I don't know, 15 or, 15 or 20 Hilton brands now. I can remember exactly. Sure. Um, and Doubletree has, has famously given each guest upon check-in, uh, a warm chocolate chip cookie. And this happens right. all over the world. There's, there's only a handful of, of, uh, Doubletrees in, uh, in Canada. There's a couple in, uh, in, in Toronto. There's a few in Australia, but most, mostly in the U S yep. and they've been doing this every day for 30 years. 30 years. So people think, well, geez, how long is my talk trigger going to be able to last? Well, theoretically, in, indefinitely. Sure. Uh, so today and tomorrow and the next day, they will distribute, Alan, some 75,000 chocolate chip <laughs> cookies a day. Yeah, great. Which which is a, a lot of cookies. Um, right. So my co-author Daniel Lemon and I did a whole research project on this because we wanted to understand what, what is truly the impact of this kind of talk trigger. Uh -huh. 
-hmm. Obviously, it's not an accident uh, to to give away these cookies. It is, in fact, an operational choice. And it turns out there's a different a bunch of different ways we looked at the data. But the, the stat that I think explains it most um, concisely is that overall, 34% of Doubletree's customers have told a story about that chocolate chip cookie. So what that means is that today, tomorrow, the day after that, 22,500 stories a day, a day about a chocolate chip cookie. Now, companion question, when's the last time you saw a Doubletree ad? Like, kind of maybe never, because they, they, never, yeah. they almost never advertise. Because the cookie is the ad and the guests are the volunteer sales and marketing uh, department. Sure. So it, it can be uh, it, it can be the propellant of your brand. You just have to do it well. And and one of the reasons yeah. they do it well is is it makes sense in the context of their brand. Uh-huh. So their brand positioning, according to their CMO, is the warm welcome. Yes. Yep. So so they want to be disproportionately good at that, I don't know, whatever, six, eight minutes, 10 minutes between when you set foot in the hotel and when you set foot in your room. That yeah. that little gap of time, they want to be really good at that. So uh-huh. they put more time, money, effort in lobby design than most hotels at that price point, right? It's not right. the Ritz-Carlton. Yep. And they put more time, money, effort in front desk clerk training than yes. most hotels at that price point. And the cookie ceremony is a big part of that because it is a ceremony. Uh, They have an oven in each hotel, an oven. And Uh so the the desk clerk turns and goes to the oven, grabs a very warm, borderline hot cookie, puts it in a paper sleeve, and then hands it to you. The hand-to-hand pass Uh is brand standard. And so not only do you feel the warmth of the cookie, you smell it, it's tactile, they look you right Uh in the eye when they give it to you. And this is why it's so, so important. Everybody tuning in has been to a hotel at some point in your career uh-huh. where they had a basket of apples at reception or, right. or a pile of bananas uh, outside the elevators on your floor. Yes? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yes. Raise your hand, and I'm watching all of you. Raise <laughs> your hand if you've ever told anybody a story about that. Never, ever, ever. It is a waste of good citrus. <laughs> Gotcha. The difference is the cookie is an experience. Right. The citrus is a pile. <laughs> and, and almost all good talk triggers are some kind of an experience, not just a bullet point. That's why, and going back to my own example, uh-huh. for many years, I, I wore the plaid suits, right? I was always the plaid suit guy, uh-huh. but it didn't really create the kind of conversational impact that I wanted until we made it an experience, until we allowed meeting planners to pick the suit. That was the the subtle but incredibly important shift Uh to go from a product attribute, guy wears plaid, to a talk trigger, I'm now part of it. Yeah. Fabulous. So indeed, word of mouth in the Doubletree case could be word of Mouth watering. Yes. Well done. Yes, indeed. And they are good cookies. Uh, for yeah. those of you who have been down that road, they, they are good cookies. Uh, and I would argue the best cookie I've ever been given for free by a hotel. Yeah. Uh, I think I can safely say that. Um, that's unique. There are those who say best cookie in the world. I think that's overstating the case slightly. Mm-hmm. 
but they are uh, noticeably terrific. There you go. So, Jay, who is this Daniel Lemon fellow? Who's this uh, co-author on uh, Talk Triggers? Daniel Lemon is an absolute uh, genius and formerly was the head of strategy at uh, my firm Convince and Convert. Also mm -hmm. is the author of a book called Manipurated, uh, oh. all about uh, ratings and reviews and how that how that business kind of works on the inside. Okay. So terrific, terrific mm -hmm. book, really practical okay. and smart about about how to handle online ratings and, and reviews. Uh, he was formerly a, a communications executive uh, for Google and also a, a high, high level uh, public relations executive uh, in Los Angeles and San Francisco. And he and I have been friends for a long time. He, he was a he was a client in the very early days of Convince and Convert. And he ended up uh -huh. uh, going out on his own and then um, became part of our organization. And now, uh, in addition to his own work as a speaker and as an author, uh, has a startup technology company. Uh, in in Southern California, in the uh, food category, uh, helps people oh with uh, food allergies and uh, things along those lines. I think uh, with that reference, he might be a darn good guest on AQ's uh, blog. And oh, group. he'd be fantastic! Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Fantastic. So, in the book, uh, you and Dan um, talk about five types of talk triggers. Mm -hmm. um, what can you explain to us? What those? What a couple of yeah. those might be. Yeah, it, the thing about talk triggers is once you understand how important it is, uh, you'll be like, yeah, we should, we need to get us one of those. Uh, mm. and, but but it's it's helpful to understand that there are different types, and and there are different types of talk triggers that work better for different organizations, just sort of based on mm. what you sell and to whom you sell it, and sure. and, and, and and sort of your culture and your operations, etc. So, mm. the first one. Uh, is talkable generosity. And this is when you're just more generous than your customers expect you to be. Mm -hmm. uh, free cookie is an example of talkable yeah. generosity. Of course, mm -hmm. um, talkable generosity is the one, Alan, that you will see most often in the wild. Um, it's also the easiest typically to conceptualize and implement in most companies mm -hmm. because okay. we, 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 give, we give the customer X, we're going to give them X plus Y. Right. And usually uh -huh. in terms of planning that out, um, that that's not a giant leap of faith for folks. So uh -huh. it's the most common, uh, the one you'll see the most typically the easiest, but is by no means the only way to do it, nor is it necessarily the most effective way to do it. It's just the most obvious way to do it. Okay? Right. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Second uh, option is uh, is talkable speed. This is when you, of course, just faster than customers expect you to be. Uh -huh. uh, this one can be incredibly effective. Uh, I will say that talkable speed is the hardest one to do um, because customer expectations for speed are not static and they continue to, to ratchet up. So, so what was fast two years ago is average today, um, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. But it can be really great. There's an example that, that you probably don't know. It's not in the book from an accounting firm in uh, Indianapolis, huh. uh, not too far from my house. Small accounting firms called Bognadoff and Dodges. Uh, Two-man firm, associate, front desk person. So there's four of them together. Uh, they are exactly the same as approximately 11,000 um, other small accounting firms in the U.S. Uh -huh. No difference in services, no difference in price. They're an accounting firm. Uh -huh. But they're an accounting firm with a talk trigger, which is that they respond to every client via phone or email at all times within five minutes. Ah, uh, okay. And 
They are not my accounting firm, but if they were my accounting firm uh, and they responded to me within five minutes, would I tell other people that story? Absolutely. In fact, I'm telling you the story right now and they're not my accountants. Uh, yeah, uh, because my accountant does not respond to me within five minutes. I can tell uh -oh. you that for, for sure, uh, but perhaps they, they should. And, and and so talkable speed can be really, really effective. Uh -huh. uh, it's one that can be a little tricky to implement and stick to, but it can be great. Third one is uh, talkable uh, usefulness, which is the most similar to my book, Utility, uh, uh -huh. that I know you're familiar with, this idea that you're just more uh, more more useful and, and typically more informational than uh, than your customers expect. That can be a great one. Um, you have talkable empathy, which is one of my personal favorites. Uh -huh. uh, and actually, one that that would not have been in the list, say three four years ago, maybe we, yeah. we wouldn't uh -huh. have even included it because it wasn't that long ago that treating customers and ourselves each other uh -huh. with kindness and compassion and dignity and empathy it wasn't worthy of recognition, right? It was just, we just called that business, right? right. Um, but somewhere along the way, we kind of lost our way. And, and now we are living in an era of empathy deficit. I think it's safe to say. Um, safe to say. And, 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 and consequently, I mean, that makes me sad as a human being. Uh -huh. uh, but as a business consultant, I will tell you, it's a tremendous opportunity for us all because now when you do treat customers with kindness and compassion and warmth and dignity and humanity and empathy, it actually stands out like never before. And you get conversational credit for it mm. in a way that you never would have previously. Right. So just being incredibly good at empathy and customer service uh, can be a, a, a word of mouth fire starter uh, and is certainly one to consider. Uh -huh. um, that one can be a little tricky because it can't be circumstantial, right? It has to be the way you do business. Uh, and, right. and from an operations and training standpoint, that can be a little tricky. But but companies that do it well, you may be familiar with the e-commerce company Chewy.com. Do you know this guy? Yes, pet. yes, so, yes. So they are talkably empathetic, right? They, yes, they, they are, are incredible and extraordinary uh, at how they handle their customers in, uh -huh. in good times and in bad. It, it truly is their conversational calling card uh -huh. is, is their humanity. And, yes. and so it can work and be amazing. Uh -huh. um, the fifth one is talkable attitude. And, and my plaid suit example is, is talkable attitude, right? It's when you do something just a little bit, um, a little bit bold, a little bit unusual, a little bit zany, uh, uh -huh. a, a little bit um, funky that, that, that customers will remember the key to talkable attitude as a talk trigger though, Alan, is that it has to, the clothes have to fit. So it, it, it has to make sense in the context of your brand and sort of your approach to the world. It's one that can feel very artificial if, right. if it's not in the spirit of the organization. Right. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I wouldn't expect um, MasterCard right? To, to, to embrace a, a talkable attitude approach, right? Because you don't think of MasterCard as an irreverent uh, or, or, or zany or funny. And if they went that route, you'd be like, I don't know, man, that doesn't, that didn't quite add up in my mind. Uh, and so the thing about talkable attitude is if you do it, it can be great, but it has to really, it has to really make sense to your customers and, and more importantly, to your team. To your team. I mean, that authentic, authenticity uh when they're out on the front lines they've got to feel comfortable in that if, if yeah. they're faking it they know it the customer will know it and that's when the story will come out is not very credible or favorable uh, 
your conversational credit would be become a debit, I think, if that was the case. Yes, well said. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Or, or at least or at least just wouldn't go anywhere. Whereas nobody would talk about it because they wouldn't believe it. Right. And mm-hmm. and there's a lot of ways that we that we mess this up when we do talk triggers, right? Where we think we've got it and, and then the conversational credit doesn't accrue. Uh, one of the ways that happens is is when we try and make it too big, right? So mm-hmm. so uh, mm-hmm. marketers are, are guilty of of uh, of saying, well, we want to get people to talk about us. So what we're going to do is come up with this giant special offer. Um, we're going to shock and awe them into talking about us, right? And yeah. and so, you know, put your name in a fishbowl and one of you is going to win a Caribbean island. And you're like, wait, what? what? That, that doesn't, that can't be true. Uh, and <laughs> and what, what we find in the research is that when you offer experiences that are too big, uh-huh. it doesn't create conversations. Uh-huh. It creates suspicion. Right. And, and nobody wants to tell a story to their friend that they think may not be accurate or true. Uh-huh. And and so what you're looking for is sort of a Goldilocks customer experience attribute, something that is different enough to be talkable, uh-huh. but not so big that it becomes untrustworthy. Yes, right. You know, as we're as we're chatting and and um, we're talking about you know organizations um, finding or creating um, the talk triggers, yeah. the the ROI on that is it could be uh, the acronym could stand for return on intention. Whatever you do to create this talk trigger has got to do something to mm-hmm. create that story. And that story then has got to do something to build your business or build mm-hmm. the relationship. If you don't do that, then you're just talking about yourself likely uh, and no one's going to listen. And it just becomes a public relations initiative, which isn't, Thank you. which isn't the value of zero, but it's not mm-hmm. the same as, as really being a, a, a business development propellant. I mean, the idea here ultimately is that mm-hmm. your current customers recruit the next generation of customers on your behalf right? and they use your talk trigger as the conversational entree to do so. Indeed. Okay. I get it. Right? So, that, that's really the whole, the whole premise here, right? Is that, yeah. and, and so what's the ROI on that? Well, um, number one, it's increased uh, growth velocity, and number two, it's reduction in advertising and marketing expenditures. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and not only that, I think Jay is it is it's reducing cost, but it's increasing investment uh, potential. I mean, this mm-hmm. these talk triggers will create more margin, which is what business is trying to do, uh, than just throwing ads out there and hoping for the best. Um, that you're going to get a better return on your dough. Uh, I guess is what I'm what I'm saying. So here we've got our friend Jay, or at least uh, Guy Kawasaki. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's talking a lot, and, and he's got the experience of being a brand evangelist, uh, and he's doing it now for um, Canva, mm-hmm. uh, and he's an influencer for Mercedes Benz, etc. Now, what is the difference? Is there any between how Kawasaki is explaining evangelism to what you're proposing with? Um, talk triggers to be a brand advocate. Is there some difference there that we can see? Yes. In this regard, um, guy has been anointed with the scepter and the sash as, as sort of the, the, the tip of the spear, uh, for, for that brand. And I think it's safe to say, uh, that guys experiences with Canva and Mercedes Benz, are atypical 
from the experiences of of other customers. Uh So while his um, support uh, can absolutely have an impact on on customer attitudes and customer purchase behavior, Uh I would argue that you also need, and in fact, it's more important to have uh, a talk trigger that is experienced by the preponderance of customers. Uh Because when you think about word of mouth, the power is in the numbers, right? It's uh, not about one person, Guy, uh, telling the story. Uh-huh. It's about all the customers telling the story, which is why one of the key attributes of a talk trigger, uh, as we say in the book, is that it is repeatable. And when we say repeatable, what we mean is that your talk trigger, your operational choice that you make designed to create uh-huh. conversations isn't only for your best customers or your newest customers or your biggest customers or your anointed brand advocates. It is for all customers. I was in Australia on Monday, uh, last Monday, doing some speaking for Volkswagen. And there's a dealership there uh, that has on the roof of their dealership uh, a whole series of beehives. They have partnered with uh, a local beekeeper uh, who who, who makes um, uh, artisanal honey. Uh, there in uh, Brisbane. And what they do to sort of tie this together, it's a terrific talk trigger, is when you bring your vehicle in for service, uh, when you retrieve your vehicle after service in the cup holder is a small <laughs> jar of artisanal honey with a, note t- with a note tied around it says, hey, this, uh, hope you enjoy it. The, this honey is made from, I forget his name, the artisanal you know, bee man. Uh, and by the way, the bees are located right above where your car is right now. Uh, it's just something that we like to do here, you know, boom, boom. Yeah. Wow. Everybody, everybody who brings their car in gets honey. It's not just if you've got a big expensive repair. It's not just if you're a new customer. It's not just if you're a longtime loyalist. It's everybody. Because again, if you're trying to get customers to tell your story to mm-hmm. other potential customers, you right. want as many people telling that story as possible. Now, if you right. want to then augment this broad-based word-of-mouth program with a, a narrower, potentially um, uh, more mm, noticeable, if you will, to the masses, um, influencer program uh, with, with, with uh, somebody like Guy, fantastic. I'm, I'm all in on that, but I would not do the one without the other. Right. Very good. That's, so what, I, that's why I look at it. Yeah, I I get it, and that whole integration then makes a ton of sense um, because guy, well, guy, ideally what you do, what, ideally what you do is is one of Guy's assignments. So let's go, but let's say let's say Canvas thing for whatever. This is a tor- tortured analogy, but work with me. Uh, let's say that for whatever reason, uh, Canvas talk trigger was also jars of honey. That they're also an Australian company, but let's say they got bees on their roof, uh, and somehow even though it's a virtual company, they they mail you honey uh, if you if you sign up for an annual plan with Canvas. Right. What I would do is I would have one of Guy's assignments, uh-huh. right, to be every Friday, here's Guy Kawasaki's new honey recipe. There you go. Yeah. Right. And so and so it, it, it all kind of fits together hand in glove. You've uh-huh. got the you've got the talk trigger that everybody has access to. Right. Uh-huh. And then you spike that with sort of the influencer side of it. Yeah. What's next for you, Jay? Um, this book came out just over just around a year ago. And you've done online seminars on it. You've had a course Mm -hmm. on it. Um, What's next for for Jay Bear? Um, Have you got a new idea in terms of a, a, a book or an approach? Yeah, starting to starting to noodle on it a little bit. Um, as as you may remember, uh, all of my books start as speeches, right? So yes. I come up with a premise and then I take it on the road for usually a year or so. 
mm-hmm. and get it to the point where I feel like it's got a strong narrative and strong stories. And, and if the audience reacts to it positively, then I'll, I'll try and turn it into a book. So I'm just, um, beginning that process now, um, and, and trying to, trying to probe on almost the opposite side of this question, which is the problem with customer experience as a discipline is that there really is no such thing as customer experience. It is a, it is a nickname that we have concocted to, to, it's, it's shorthand for the dozens or hundreds of individual moments and interactions that we have with, with customers. And so when you say to a business, improve or optimize your customer experience, like, sure, that makes good sense. But, but what do you mean specifically? So I'm trying to get people to sort of think small in that regard. And we're doing a bunch of research on this right now, Alan, to determine of all the things that you could do in your business to keep your customers, to prevent defection, to reduce churn, what things should you do? What, where should you spend your time, money, and effort? Because you can't do everything. Um, and and this idea, I'm, I'm colloquially calling them cancel causes right now, cancel causes, the things that, that are sort of the last straw for your customers, the things that make them seek your competitors or stop paying you. Right. How, how, can you how can you ferret those out and address them proactively? Right. Um, so that's kind of what the, the, the area that I'm exploring right now. And I'm working on a speech uh, based on that. And, and if it goes well, then it'll be a book someday, maybe. Yeah. Wow. Fabulous. If there are any listeners uh, or subscribers that have not been to a conference that features Jay Bear, get yourself to one. Oh, thank you. Very kind of you. Yeah. Uh, well, it's, it's true. I, I don't even think about compliment complimenting you on that. It's just a fact that Jay puts a level of professionalism into his presentations. That is unique. That's special. Thank you. And I'll tell you, uh, I should have mentioned this earlier. Um, so the book Talk Triggers has a talk trigger. It would be um, sort of uh, hypocritical if I did not. Uh, two, two actually. If you get the actual physical book as opposed to the audio book or the Kindle copy, uh, it has alpacas on the cover, which is yes, not something that, that you typically see in a business book. So it's fairly noticeable on the shelf. Yeah. But more importantly, Alan, um, the talk trigger works like this. It is talkable generosity. If you buy the book Talk Triggers and you do not love it unconditionally, yeah, this is great. Uh, yeah. Dan, Daniel and I will buy you any other book of your choosing, and and that is true. You want a first edition Bible? We'll we'll round one up. Uh, we'll round one up somewhere. Uh, so signed, far, is is it autographed? Signed, signed, signed Bible by uh, by Luke. Only Luke. Uh, the uh, so far of the many 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 thousands of books we have sold, uh, we have had two redemptions on that offer. Oh my uh, a guy, a guy emails me and says, Hey, um, uh, I didn't like the book. Uh, there, there weren't enough case studies. There's and I thought, well, I said, yeah, there's 25 case studies. So I'm like, I don't know exactly <laughs> what you were thinking, but okay. And he wanted like a hundred dollar book on COBOL programming or something. I'm like, all right, fine. <laughs> and then a few months later, I get another email from a guy who says, um, I didn't like the book. There are too many case studies. <laughs> I said, so I, too, I was like, okay, well, number one, you should meet this other guy. You guys should get together and get together and kind of argue this out. 
And yeah. number two, I said, this is the first time I've ever been uh, criticized for having too much evidence in a business book. I'm like, yeah, it's oh, too, much proof, too much proof in here. Uh, <laughs> so you, you never know. But yes, we are delighted to make that offer. We will. Uh, so there's no risk to anybody out there for there getting the book. Um, and also, even if you want more proof, if you go to talktriggers.com, mm-hmm. there is a ton of free stuff there. So yes, discussion there guides, research, infographics, videos, book report templates, like all mm-hmm. kinds of stuff. So uh, knock yourselves out. Yeah, and, and I, I'm going to mention this now in, in the close in that in doing my research, uh, I've known Jay for four or five years, but still doing the research uh, because you, our listeners, deserve that. I came across that offer, which I thought was just great. The, we'll give you a, any book that you want. Uh, if you didn't like this one, I I had not expected anyone to uh, take you up on that offer, but that those are two funny stories. But also um, to track down Jay and his websites, and I was on the uh, Talk Triggers uh, site this morning, oh, and it's it's beautifully done. And and thanks, there, Daniel, it, Daniel built it. Is that right? He did a great job. And there's more stuff than you could ever use, which again goes to I'm going to tell stories about it. I will be telling people, hey, by the way, um, you really want the complete stuff plus the X factor? Go to this. Go to this website, and my students are going to love it. And um, thanks. We just I know figure, I, you know, look. Yeah, we get paid if you buy a book, and it's not okay. much, but um, but more importantly, it, it continues to frustrate Daniel and I how understudied and 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 really under emphasized word of mouth continues to be and and we really do want to change that so it's it's absolutely our desire to to really give away as much as we possibly can of this system of the thinking behind it because we desperately want people to actually use it and and i gotta tell you the most gratifying thing about this project alan Mm -hmm. is that people who buy the book um can can email in uh, to be part of the Facebook group. We have a Facebook yes. group for Hug Your Haters readers. Yes. Uh, and we now have, I think it's 2,500 people in the group or something. Uh-huh. Uh, a lot more readers than that, but 2,500 people want to be in the group. And every day they are, they are coming up with new examples of, of uh, talk triggers and, and the, group, the group itself is criticizing them or saying, hey, here's a different way to do it better. And it's become a real community of people who are committed to building their businesses with word of mouth. And that is incredibly, incredibly gratifying. Yeah, well, good show, and and thanks for being uh, the hardest working guy. In no, uh, hardest working, uh, hardest working credit taker uh, for the best team in the business. <laughs> well, okay. Well, thanks very much for being with us today, Jay. And uh, it's always a pleasure, and uh, you always share so much, and that's what makes you, as Kawasaki would say, you're a mensch um, for sharing as much as you do with and as generosity with the generosity that you have. So please send me that jacket. I, it's in the mail. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Today. Okay. Great to be with you. Thank you, you. Bye. Thanks for joining us this week on AQ's Blog and Grill. Make sure to hit subscribe wherever you're listening so that you never miss an episode. And while you're at it, let us know what you think of the show and who you'd love us to grill next. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you next Monday with a brand new episode of AQ's Blog and Grill. AQ's Blog and Grill.